VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And friends, thank you for joining us on Crosstalk today here on VCY America. Uh, I trust today's program you're going to find uh, interesting, captivating, and uh, exciting all at the same time. The Bible tells us that in the end times, there's going to be a new Jewish temple that's going to be constructed in Jerusalem. But with that clash that's happening between Muslims and Jews on the Temple Mount, many say, you know, it's impossible. This could never happen. This piece of ground is the most disputed piece of real estate of anywhere in the world. But when you start to unfold all that's going on in preparation for the Third Temple, it's rather remarkable. You can rest assured that the prophecies given in Scripture indeed will come to pass. Joining me in studio today, we welcome Pastor Jim Scudder, Jr. He is pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois. He's an author. He's a speaker on the program In Grace, airing on WVCY television and other networks, and VCY.TV as well. It carried him there live and on demand. Also, the VCY America Radio Network and uh, other facilities around the world. And uh, Pastor Jim, so good to have you with us in studio today. Jim, I appreciate it. It's uh, awesome to be back here in Milwaukee and uh, this beautiful facility that you guys have here. We've known each other for a few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have. <laughs> it goes back uh, a number of years, actually, and appreciate you and, and all that you do. Well, we uh, certainly also appreciate your ministry that is airing over the network, and uh, we're going to focus in on this uh, Jewish temple, and uh, I'd like to know, first of all, what piques your interest about Israel? You've done different series on it, but w- what about Israel that just excites you? Yeah, uh, Israel, it just captivates me. And I, and I know it captivates a lot of people. I got to go when I was 12 years old on my first trip to Israel. It helps having a dad who's a pastor who loves Israel and is leading tours. And so we got to go. And I don't know, just ever since then, I've had this uh, fascination, especially as I've grown in the Lord, studied the word, uh, gone through Bible college, I realized the significance of that place on this planet, you know, and I love where I live in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. Uh, you know, I love other places in this world. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. And we love, we love to travel and things, but Israel, there's something special about Israel. And I think it's, you know, part of it is it it really showcases God's promises. You know, he gave this land to a people and the people were scattered and he predicted that. And now they're back. And I think it's that modern miracle that, and when you go to Israel, you just get to see it. Like God is real. These people are back in the land. And I think it's for a a purpose and for a time that's coming soon. And I think the temple relates to this whole thing. It it, it really does. And uh, I think there's something else that's foundational uh, here for the interview uh, purposes today. And that is, there is a belief today that, that the church has replaced Israel. You're familiar with that, uh, that thought, uh, that since Israel has rejected her Messiah, that Israel is just, you know, totally out of the picture now. And the church now is uh, God's choice, you know, to move the plan forward. Give us your perspective on this, because that's really foundational for our discussion. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and people that hold that view, replacement theology, they would say that uh, God is done with the nation of Israel. What is happening today there is interesting. It's curious. And you would ha- have to admit that. I mean, just the secular viewpoint of all of this, you'd have to say it's it's unprecedented in world history for a nation to be reborn like they have and to bring back Hebrew that was gone. But the the problem with that view is they must ignore many scriptures like uh, the, the unconditional promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Dave, uh, J- Jacob, and David. Uh, they would have to ignore Romans 9, 10, and 11, you know? So, so uh, I would say absolutely biblically, there is a future for Israel uh, nationally. Um, you know, they're not a nation in faith today, but the Bible says one day they will be a remnant of the nation of Israel will accept the Messiah that they did reject nationally. Now, I still look at the the Bible and I say, we have mostly Jewish authors, Jesus is Jewish, prophets, the priests, the kings, Jewish, Jewish, Jewish. So we have to love Israel. We have to support the Jewish people. And Israel is the only place that they are safe, that they can, you know, 
uh, have have safety and security, and they have one of the most powerful military militaries in the world. Again, proving that God isn't done with them. So, you know, for many years, the church, even today, has held that replacement theology, and that's led to anti-Semitism. And um, the Catholics have had that. Martin Luther had some real anti-Semitic thoughts later on in his years. But I think if we're biblical, if we just believe the Bible, we have to be pro-Israel, pro-Jew, and say God has a future for them. The bones are going to come back to life. Yep, Ezekiel. Pastor Jim Skidder with us today. Uh, You've recently produced a a special that you're releasing right now called The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. And uh, through a series of interviews, you found that the building of the Third Temple is, it's not just a a passing thought to many people in Israel. Rather, it's on the minds of many. It is. And I've always known that there's been a yearning for rebuilding the temple. But today, it's more than just a, a... a wild idea. You know, they used to, they used to say no one in the Knesset would ever speak of rebuilding the temple or even praying on the temple Mount today. There's Knesset members that want to rebuild the temple. Uh, the, the viewpoint of a lot of people in Israel, a lot of Jews in Israel used to be, you, you'd be like crazy. your fringe. If you believe in rebuilding the temple, now it's become almost mainstream. So there's been a shift that's happened in Israel and I've really seen it in the last few months as we've been able to follow a story at In Grace. You know, we do a we do a radio program that's featured on 550 radio stations, and we're glad to be on the VCY network, American network. And um, we we do Monday through Thursday Bible preaching from the pulpit. But then on Fridays and weekends on the radio show and the TV show In Grace, we go somewhere. And so they told me about the red heifers. Um, they were trying to get some some ranchers from Dallas. or trying to get the, some red heifers into Israel for the ceremony of the red heifer that the Bible speaks of so that they could purify the nation and build the temple. And uh, they said, if they asked if I was interested, I said, absolutely. You know, we'll go to Dallas. So we went to Dallas, ended up in a, a cow pasture in Dallas with this pure little red heifer calf. And the calf was still with the mom. And it was just amazing, Jim, to, to be kind of standing so far away from Israel, but to know that this little animal, as it grows within, you know, two years old, never having a yoke, uh, never having uh, an ear tag, because that's a blemish that would disqualify it. Somehow they had found this, this red heifer, and they're going to bring this and then four others that they found without blemish to Israel. And that wouldn't, months went up, wouldn't buy. I hadn't heard anything, but then finally we get the video. They've arrived in Israel. And so we, we kind of use that as a springboard to tell the story of the red heifer, we interviewed rabbis, and we went to an actual location. We can talk more about that later on the Mount of Olives that they've purchased for the ceremony. And then that led to all these other stories and connection points with people that also want to do this. Uh, one man had secretly purchased these old wooden beams that came off the Temple Mount, probably from the uh, one of the mosques there, and they were just basically throwing them away. Well, this Jewish man got them and hid them away in storage for years. We got to go in and touch those and bring them out to the sun and, and videotape them. And I, on my hands was dust from, for sure, Herod's temple, maybe back to Solomon's temple, you know, whatever would have survived the, the destructions. So that, and then, you know, it led to all these other just amazing experiences and people. Master Jim, we've got a lot to unfold in <laughs> yeah. the broadcast here. So uh, let's first of all talk about the Temple Mount itself, because uh, this this piece of real estate, the most disputed of anywhere in the world, uh, it has some very significant history. So let's talk about that here first. Yeah, so the, the actual location is significant. Uh, not even way before the Temple, it was where God directed... Abraham to offer Isaac. And they were down in uh, Beersheba, and God says, go to the, the mountains of Moriah. And so this was just near the ancient city of Salem, or, or Jebus, uh, two names. And now you can hear Jerusalem in, in both of those names. And just up the hill from where Melchizedek would have been the king, king of Salem, was this, this top of the hill, and that was a threshing floor for Aruna, the Jebusite. David purchases that. He takes Jerusalem first as he becomes the king. He buys that. And that was the very spot that Abraham was willing to offer Isaac. And Mm. think about that picture too, because that was a whole picture of the coming sacrifice, the human son that would die for our sins. 
a picture of uh, what Abraham was willing to do with Isaac. And so God at the last second said, no, I, I will provide myself uh, a lamb. And so Jesus fulfilled all of that. That was right there where the temple stood. And then some years later, since he bought the property, David, his son Solomon, built the temple. Uh, and, and the history then, from then on out, you know, the destruction of the temple by Nebuchadnezzar, it's, it's focal in, in, the, in the history of the world and the biblical history, that one point of the planet. And it still is the most contested place even today. And, and when we go to Israel, we take our tours, we always try to go up to the Temple Mount. And uh, we, usually we can. We're going to be going in less than one week again mm-hmm. with 111 in grace friends up to Jerusalem and to the Temple Mount. And so it's, it's, it's an amazing place, but not just its history, but think about the future. You know, Jesus was sitting there on the Mount of Olives. They were looking up at the temple in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24. And Jesus said, not one stone will be left upon the other. So he predicts the destruction, which we know happened in 70 AD with Titus. But then he says a few verses later that there will be a desecration of the temple. And he was referring to Daniel's prophecy, Daniel 9. Daniel predicted the, this man of sin, this Antichrist, would uh, do a, a desecration. And so we find all of this connected, you know, because the Bible talks about in Revelation, the Antichrist desecrating the temple. So we know from Scripture that there is a, another temple that's going to be built. There's no temple there today. There's actually a Muslim shrine called the Dome of the Rock. And just to the south of that, a Muslim mosque called the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And it's a very holy place to Islam. But this is the place that I believe will be the location of the third temple. First temple was Solomon. Second temple was Zerubbabel's and Herod embellished it, made it the temple of Jesus day. But that's been destroyed. And some people say, well, the abomination of desolation that Daniel spoke of, wasn't that Antichus Epiphanes, the Greek? Well, here's the problem with that. Jesus said it was future, this desecration, and Antichus Epiphanes was before Christ. So I think it'll be someone just like that wicked Greek king, but worse. And it'll be probably setting himself up to be worshipped during the tribulation period. And uh, in this DVD that you produce now, in this series that you're airing, both TV and radio, you actually go into the mosque. You go into also the Dome of the Rock. Right. And uh, fascinating footage many have never seen before. You know, I remember when I was young, we actually went into the Dome of the Rock, and I remember taking off my shoes. It's funny the things you remember when you were a kid. I remember the stench, like everyone's shoes were off, so it's, it didn't smell very nice. Uh, but we, we were able to go back in there. They had made, basically made it off limits to non-Muslims because of the intifadas and stuff. So but we had this a way to go, to go back in, and we did some filming inside the Dome of the Rock. We actually went below the foundation stone where uh, a lot of people say is where the Ark of the Covenant would have stood, mm-hmm. of course, the Holy of Holies. Uh, we, on, our, on our series, The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple, that we're releasing on radio and television and um, video, uh, we interviewed the, the chief uh, architectural archaeologist, Lane Rittmeyer, about all of this. So he's a friend of ours, and he's on the, on the program. So it's to be inside and underneath the Dome of the Rock and the rock itself in this cave. It was unbelievable. Friends, we're going to take a quick break here on Crosstalk. Pastor Jim Sketter is with us today on the broadcast as we talk about preparations underway to rebuild the Jewish temple. When we come back, you're going to hear an interview uh, and uh, information with a Temple Mount guide. Fascinating what he had to say. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, president of the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, were the Aborigines that were found in Australia a primitive culture? No, they weren't, Chris. When the British got there, these people had a very intricate culture and language and art, and even their own brand of technology. For instance, Aboriginal stone knives dating from centuries ago had serrated cutting edges. These were only invented in Western culture after the Second World War. There was nothing at all primitive about these early cultures. All people descended from Noah and his family, and they were technical enough to build a huge ship. Cultures do degenerate when they adopt pagan thought, but are not primitive in any evolutionary sense, and that's the back-to-Genesis truth. If you want to know more about the creation-evolution issue, visit us on the web at www.icr.org. Back to Genesis is a production of the Institute for Creation Research. I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in. 
You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America, and our topic today, preparations underway to rebuild the Jewish temple. Pastor Jim Scudder, Jr. with us from Quinton Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and uh, they have just put out a fascinating uh, program they're releasing on their TV program, radio. We'll tell you how you can get a copy of the DVD as well. But, uh, Pastor, you actually asked a Temple Mount guide about the location of Solomon's Temple in relation to the Al-Aqsa Mosque and also Dome of the Rock, and he had some interesting things to say. Tell us a little bit about this guide, though. So he was a representative of the Muslim Waqf, who they're responsible for managing, controlling the religious um, operations for the Muslims on the Temple Mount. And we went in as uh, they do tours for diplomats and stuff. And so we got in on one of those tours and I wasn't trying to interview him or talk to him or anything, but uh, he was just talking about, you know, there's this narrative that there wasn't a temple and there's no evidence for the temple. And in our series, we go through that. We show so much evidence that there was a temple. Uh, but uh, he, he said inside the Dome of the Rock, he said, I'm a good Muslim and I have to believe the Bible. So I, I'm going to put that in, the, in my uh, in my drawer because I'm going to pull that out and use it again later because I know I know they've been saying there was no temple. So how could he say I believe the Bible, which clearly says there was a temple there? And so the interview with him after we came out of the Al Aqsa Mosque and we were just kind of standing there talking, uh, I could hardly hold uh, hold myself from asking him some of these questions. And so you know there's there was two narratives he was trying to say. He was trying to say one that um, there wasn't evidence of the of the Jewish temple. But the other thing he said was, it wasn't just the mosque that was called Al-Aqsa, which is the silver dome. So if you're looking at the Temple Mount, you have that big golden dome building all by itself. That's the Dome of the Rock. And then there's a mosque to the south that's a silver gray dome. That's Al-Aqsa. He's saying that wasn't just what they call Al-Aqsa. It's the whole compound, mm-hmm. which would again say that, that there's no way the Jewish people could ever uh, pray, first of all, on the Temple Mount, which most Israelis say you should at least be able to pray, right? Only Muslims are allowed to pray on the Temple Mount. Uh, but he also was saying that the whole compound was Al-Aqsa because he didn't want the Jew, the Jews to ever want to rebuild their temple either. And so they, they have these narratives that aren't true. They're mm-hmm. false. And we, we, uh, we filmed him. Uh, we did disguise his voice and we disguised his face because I'm sure that uh, he wouldn't be too happy um, that I'm going to broadcast this. But it's incredible, really is. Here's uh, a little piece of that interview. That is the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Yes. And that is uh, the Dome of the Rock. No, 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 no. So, this is not Al-Aqsa Mosque. That is not. No, Al-Aqsa Mosque is their compound. The claim that the entire Temple Mount is Al-Aqsa not just the building we were just in, is false. It's a new claim that doesn't line up with Islamic history. Some are saying this because they don't want the Jews to pray on the Temple Mount, let alone rebuild their temple here. Our guide told me that as a good Muslim, he believes the Bible. So I asked him, since he believes the Bible, he must believe that the Jewish temple once stood here. I will not destroy my building for them to rebuild the temple. This is my country. I'm here now. Even if there is a temple before, I don't care. This is my building. This is my land now. I'm here now. And the problem that most of the powerful countries all around the earth are supporting, the terrorism. I mean, we are under occupation since 48. Our Temple Mount guide called Israel terrorist and occupiers? This is also not true. Israel has the legal claim to the land of Israel and especially here on the Temple Mount. King David purchased the threshing floor from Aruna the Jebusite. And in 1947, the United Nations Partition Plan divided up what was known then as Mandatory Palestine, giving the Jews and Arabs land. The Jews accepted this, but the Arabs were not satisfied with the Jews having any land and attacked Israel numerous times with the goal of driving them into the sea. Every time the Arabs attacked Israel, they lost ground. Israel is not the occupier, nor the terrorist. They are the only democracy in the Middle East surrounded by monarchies and dictatorships. Israel, the only sanctuary for the Jewish people in our dangerous world, has the right to exist and also 
to defend itself. Okay, that is just a brief clip here from the uh, quest to rebuild the Jewish temple, um, part of the In Grace series. Uh, very interesting. Even if this was a temple mm-hmm. here, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm here now. <laughs> well, so that's the big question, Jim, is if if the Lord's return is soon, and we know that the temple has to be standing at least halfway through the tribulation, which is seven years, then if if the Lord's return is soon, that they, they're going to have to start soon, you know, to build this. It'd probably take them at the very least a year to build, maybe more. And they're ready to build. But there's a big problem, the Dome of the Rock. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting to me is in Revelation chapter 10, or I'm sorry, chapter 11, God tells John to measure the temple. But he says, leave out the outer court. Don't measure the outer court because it's given unto the Gentiles. And on the series, I tell the story of one of the rabbis who said to me uh, that they, he knows enough rabbis in Israel that would be okay with leaving Al-Aqsa standing. Of course, the Dome of the Rock would have to be moved, and they would say maybe that's part of an agreement where they would move that to somewhere else in East Jerusalem or, or Saudi Arabia, where all the other you know, holy sites are, and then allow them to put up the temple. And I said, you think they would allow the temple and Al-Aqsa to, to stand at the same time? He said, yes, because... Islam is monotheistic, and they don't have idols. So he thinks that the, the, the rabbis would accept such a thing. So that's one scenario, is there would be some sort of an agreement, and maybe it's the, the seven-year peace deal that the Antichrist brokers or confirms. Uh, we don't know. And others believe that maybe uh, you know, there's going to be this um, battle of Gog and Magog and that um, the Muslims will be defeated, and then the Jews can do whatever they want you know, with the Dome of the Rock. But there are a number of scenarios, like if, if, it's, if the rapture is soon, then something's going to have to happen soon uh, to, to the Dome of the Rock. A lot of what ifs, but what we uh, do know, what God has before ordained is going to come to pass. Absolutely. And how that happens, we don't know, but right. it's interesting to see all of this unfold. Now, just a bit ago, uh, you were telling us about you're going down to Dallas to see this red heifer. Hmm. And some people may be scratching their heads saying, what does a red heifer have anything to do with Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple? So help fill in the gap there for us. Right. So when it was time to start the tabernacle worship, God told Moses to find a perfect red heifer. And there was a few criteria there. Now, the Jews have really expanded on the criteria. Of course, uh, they've gone way outside the, the what the Bible clearly says. But it's basically... A, a young uh, red cow and have to be no, no more than two years old without a blemish, without any other color hair, just red, and that it would have a, it, it couldn't have any, any blemishes. So you have this, uh, you know, most calves that are born, the ranchers go and tag their ear and they have these ear tags. Well, that immediately disqualifies them. So we went out and uh, we're filming and I asked the rancher, I said, how, how did you find this one that didn't have a, an ear tag, you know, and they said, well, they dismissed it. And he kind of tells the story. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible, but we were able to interview the rancher. We interviewed these rabbis. They actually flew from Israel to, uh, to Dallas and they went and examined it and they were crying because they had found this. Now they, they can develop, uh, colors, uh, a black or white hair and that would disqualify them. But there's, there's, uh, five of these red heifers now in Israel, it took extremely challenging bureaucratic red tape to get them there and very expensive, but they got through all of that and they're now in Israel. Mm. And I think in about maybe eight months, they'll be turning two. Now they can go ahead and have this ceremony, which they have to do on the Mount of Olives. They have to burn it completely. And then they use the ashes mixed with water to purify um, everyone in the nation of Israel. We're going to travel with you down to Dallas and okay. just hear a little clip from, from that encounter there. Before the temple can be used, a very special ceremony must take place first. And that brings us back to the red heifers. Okay, so you have the heifers being born, but you have pretty quickly a problem. And that is you ranchers tag the ear of these calves. We had uh, already tagged all the calves. And so when Robert came, I said, you know, he said they can't have a they can't have an ear tag. And I said, well, I've got you know a couple hundred out there, but they all have ear tags. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be able to help you. 
And so we said, well, let's, let's drive around and look anyways. And we did. And as we were driving around, we came back and we hadn't found anything. And my brother and, and the rabbis and I, we said a little prayer and said, well, let's, let's go one more time. And, and about that time, this mama cow with this baby calf came walking out of the woods. Oh, no kidding. And we hadn't tagged it yet. So uh, so we were all excited. And they went over and looked at it and said, said this one's solid red. And, and these two rabbis went to examining this calf. And all of a sudden, they go to crying. And then they get all excited. And they get on the telephone. And I'm hearing all this Hebrew. I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> but they, I could tell they're excited. To bring this red heifer and four others into Israel, many bureaucratic, logistic, and financial hurdles had to be overcome. After months of effort, five red heifers landed at Ben-Gurion Airport in Israel to much joy and celebration. The song they are singing is about the Holy Temple. Very fascinating to see how from Dallas, Texas to Israel, and you may have been looking at the very heifers that are going to be utilized for the cleansing of the people, cleansing the temple. And they can and they can do this before they build the temple. And I, I actually think they probably will. Now, they, they have to have a certain piece of property on the Mount of Olives. And the reason is because it has to be the same elevation that the temple would have stood. So that's up on the Mount of Olives about halfway. Mm-hmm. Those of you that have been to Israel, you kind of can picture it. And then um, it would also have to be within a certain angle from the door of the temple. So they found this piece of property that would fit the criteria. They secretly purchase it because it's mostly Arab-owned property up in East Jerusalem. So they now own this piece of property. It's maybe a quarter acre. And we actually filmed there with the rabbi, and he was telling us about the ceremony. So they can actually do this ceremony, and then they would have the ashes and they could pr- keep those and protect them until it was time to start building and then purify the people at that time. It's not like the red heifer ceremony has to be done while the temple's being built or after the temple's built. Now that could happen too, but before they can use the temple, the red heifer ceremony will have had to take place. It looks like time is not going to avail for us to air that with a rabbi, but those who obtain your, your DVD or listen to the broadcast, they will get that. Yeah. And, and there's so much neat stuff there because mm-hmm. radio is great, but you want to see it too. Right, right. And so to actually see this and, and hear the rabbis and, and go talk to uh, this uh, family that uh, just all of a sudden start making harps in Israel and they, they became famous because a Jerusalem Post uh, reporter happened to stumble upon their house in the Galilee. And so, you know, they, they're now making harps and they're they're donating them or they're giving them to the Temple Institute, which they're really geared toward uh, making sure everything else is ready. So they've gotten the, you know, the the clothing for the priests, the ephod they've made. They've made this golden uh, menorah, very expensive stuff, really expensive stuff. And so all of this is coming together, and it's about it's about ready. Friends, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, please have handy a sheet of paper, a pen, or a pencil. We'll tell you how you can obtain a copy of The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. Very fascinating to see the footage and uh, to see these stories. You'll see the red heifers uh, going down to Dallas. You'll see the interviews with the rabbi, with the Temple Mount Guide, and so much more. We'll be back in one minute. This is Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. Our society is being influenced by the entertainment media, and we don't even realize it. Why is it that many Christians entertain themselves by watching movies or programs that take God's name in vain, or feature sensual activity on Saturday night, and then go to church on Sunday to praise His name? That's the underlying message in the DVD, Power of the Air by Dave Cristiano. This moving story features a missionary from Africa who warns that the church in America is being deceived and in great danger. A Christian that hears this message is convicted and makes a significant change in his life and sets out a plan to reach his city with the gospel. Watch this story unfold in the DVD, Power of the Air. Available now for a donation of $18, call 1-800-729-9829. 1-800-729-9829.
This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Pastor Jim Scudder is with us. He is pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church out of Lake Zurich, Illinois. Many of you hear his broadcast on In Grace, airing over both radio and television. And uh, you have just, uh, matter of fact, you're just releasing this now over television soon uh, this Friday on radio as well, The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. And there are many who don't have access to your broadcast, so we have it on our app. Uh, you've got it through your website there as well uh, in other means. But uh, for those who just like to get the DVD, and really the visual aspect is so important to really appreciate uh, going into the Dome of the Rock and, and to the Al-Aqsa Mosque uh, and being on the territory there to see these red heifers, to to look at uh, the interview you have with harp, ma- harp makers there as well. How is it our listeners to Crosstalk can obtain a copy of this DVD, The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple? And so what you're hearing on the radio and, and our television program is about half of what the, the full-length video or DVD would be. So it's DVD or digital download. I think the easiest way is go to the website, which is ingraceradio.com. And there you'll see a big banner. It says the Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. Click on it. And for a gift of any amount to our ministry, and the gift will make sure more people hear the gospel, uh, you're going to get this uh, really neat, fascinating uh, DVD or digital download, ingraceradio.com. Or they could call 1-800-78-GRACE. Right. And for those who don't have access to going online, 1-800-78-GRACE is the number. Uh, if you need the, the, the numbers there, 1-800-784-7223. But uh, it's easy to remember, 1-800-78-GRACE. That's available, and uh, you can just ask when you call for the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple. They're making it available, a donation of any amount, to uh, help them really get out the good news of the gospel to to other individuals. Um, You uh, had lots of uh, opportunities to uh, interview people there, but you came across some harp makers. So tell us how you encountered the harp makers. So it's a family, the Harari family, uh, Mika and Shoshona, and they they came from the U.S. kind of in the hippie eras, and uh, they said they just felt drawn to Israel. They actually called it like being uh, on a cable drawn back to Israel, and we know that's how that's what God is doing. He's bringing Jewish people back to Israel for for a time, and so they were instrument. He was an instrument maker, and and she felt the harp was her heart instrument. And so she said, hey, one day, would you ever consider making me a harp? He said, yeah, I'll do it. But it, years went by. Finally, he starts making one. And that's when this reporter comes by. She says, you know, you're the first one in thousands of years to be making harps in Israel. And so they didn't realize that. And now, and now they, they started a full-fledged harp um, business. Now, sadly, about a year and a half ago, they had a big forest fire come through set by arsonists. You know, in Israel, the Arabs are starting fires. And it burned down the entire workshop and all of the harps were destroyed, but they still have, they still have hope. You know, they, they still, they still know that God is using them and and wants them to be making these harps for the, the temple. And, and, you know, music is an important part of worship. It's an important, uh, I think part of what God gave us the ability to, to sing and to play and all of that. So, it's it's really neat to be able to sit down and talk to people that feel God calling them back to Israel and then God bringing about this desire to make the harp. They've donated a number of these or a number of these have been obtained by the Temple Institute. And if you go take a tour, which is in the city of Jerusalem, the old city, the Jewish quarter, there's this beautiful little museum, the Temple Institute, and the harps are right there. You can actually see the Harari mm-hmm. harps there in the in the Temple Institute Museum. We're going to play just a clip here from your interview there with the harp makers. Mika and Shoshone Harari are making authentic biblical harps in Israel for the first time in thousands of years. Sadly, their harp workshop recently burned down due to wildfires set by arsonists but they still had a hopeful outlook and were excited about being part of something miraculous. Many of their harps are now ready to be played in the third temple. In the prophets, there's a few of them that repeat this, and it says, In those days I will call my children from the four corners of the earth, from the east and the west and the north and the south, and I will bring them back to their own land, and I will replant them, and they will never be uprooted again. 
Mm-hmm. It's like we who were wandering through the land of our own birth, like we were born in America, and we were looking for our perfect place. We couldn't be satisfied. Like our feet, we went to the most beautiful places that exist, maybe in the world. Mm-hmm. We weren't satisfied. We didn't feel at home. And it said, I'll bring you back. We didn't have a choice. <laughs> it was at a certain point, it felt like something was like a cable was connected to us. And it just drew us here. It's got to be something holy and, you know, prophetic and end of days to have brought us to the land at the end of days. And everything else that happened, we we knew. But, it, you know, after we'd been here a little while, we knew that there was something very important going on and that we were sent here to bring the heart back. Well, friends, as you watch the special or you get the DVD, you're going to see this, and it's amazing. Uh, but looking at this topic of music, uh, during the reign of King Hezekiah, uh, I found this, I was looking in the scriptures this morning, Second Chronicles chapter 29, and starting at verse 25, it says, And he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with psalteries, and with harps, according to the commandment of David and of Gad, the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet. For so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets, and the Levites stood with the instruments of David. Yes, it includes the harp, and the priest with the trumpets. And Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. And all the congregation worshipped, and the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded, and all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with them bowed themselves and worshipped. I thought it was amazing to hear with the harps here. And then what's also interesting, ladies and gentlemen, this past October, uh, Israel 365 News ran a story of 600 Jewish men from the tribe of Levi that held a rehearsal on the steps leading up to the Temple Mount to prepare to play their role in providing the musical accompaniment for the third temple service. It's a medley composed of Psalm 113 through 118, which is recited at various festivals. We're going to play a clip. This is not on the video itself that uh, Pastor Jim is offering here today, but listen in. If this doesn't excite you, you better check your blood pressure, your, your, your pulse, sir. Here we go. <laughs> Pastor Jim Yitzhak Weiss, who arranged the music, said, This is not theory or practical. This is tradition. We're bringing back Levite singing. He said, I don't know if that is the way it's going to be done in the Third Temple, but for 2,000 years, the Levites did not sing. Pastor Jim, they're now rehearsing Hmm. for the Third Temple. Yeah, and when I was interviewing the harp makers, they mentioned the, the harps. They're taking the harps off the willow tree. And I said, the harps off the willow tree. And they were actually quoting a psalm that said, there would be people that take the harp off the willow tree. And that was uh, alluding to the Babylonian captivity. When they got to Babylon, they hung their harps on a tree because they don't want to play it for Nebuchadnezzar. They actually said they broke their fingers so they couldn't play the harp. So coming out of exile, coming from all countries all over the world, they're coming back to Israel. The Hararis are saying, we've taken the harp off the willow tree and we're playing the music again. And that music... uh, for sure will be part of the, the temple, the third temple. This is really exciting to hear this, mm, wasn't it? It was. I love it. I love it. I love Jewish music, too. There's just something and some joy about that. And uh, and to know they're singing the scriptures. Yeah. You know, I mean, we can't go wrong if we sing the scriptures. Right. Friends, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Oh, we've got more clips from the series. That last song was not part of it, but uh, if you'd like to obtain that, you can reach out to the Ingrace Ministry, uh, ingraceradio.com. You'll find a banner there where you can request the the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple, or you may call them 1-800-78-GRACE. 
1-800-78-GRACE, and to be able to uh, obtain the DVD for a gift of any amount, ask for the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple. I'd like to open our phone lines here today on Crosstalk as well. If you've got a question or a brief comment that you would like to make, our number is 1-800-733-9829. That's 1-800-733-9829. Pastor Jim, how close do you believe we are to all of this coming together? You know, I've learned by wise people, uh, my dad would be one, uh, to not set dates. <laughs> because you can go back and see a lot of the dates that people have predicted. But but we, it, I know, Jim, since I was, uh, I was a child, I've, I thought it could be tomorrow or today. And I know it's a lot closer today than it was yesterday. And so it just feels like it's right around the corner. I mean, uh, all everything is there that the Bible predicts is going to be here for this time. You know, we have the technology now for the whole world to instantly see an event. We have the technology now for people to buy and sell with something on their right hand or forehead. So all of these things are together. The yearning, the the momentum in Israel to rebuild the temple is unprecedented. And it's increased even within the last decade exponentially. So when will all this happen? Uh, it's a guess. I, I hope it. I hope it's soon because that also means that we get to see Jesus. Amen. Amen. Our telephone number to Crosstalk eight hundred seven three three nine eight two nine. Let's begin with Chris. Chris is calling from West Dallas. Hi, Chris. You're on the air. Hi. Uh, thank you for your guest, uh, Pastor Scudder. You're doing an amazing job. Praise the Lord for your hard work. Thanks, Chris. Commitment to unveiling the truth about the Jewish people and how God is going to again return to His people. Uh, for a seven-year period. My question is, um, I was asked to leave a church <laughs> in West Dallas because um, um, anytime I brought up the seven years of tribulation, uh, Romans 10, uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, everywhere they spoke of the return of Israel, I was stopped, I was silenced, I was told no, you know, and um, I had a really hard time with that, you know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm, I'm bringing forth God's word, and it's obvious mm-hmm. that God's Chris for, sake, Chris, for sake of time, let me just ask you, what, what is the heart of your question for Pastor Jim? Well, the question, how is it that there are born-again Christians out here that deny this, this biblical truth where God is not done with Israel? Yeah. It, well, it just mind-boggles me. Well, I, Thank I, you, Chris. I think, I think that part of it is that people aren't good students of the Scriptures. And I think also there, there probably is a lot of opposition in spiritual places uh, for the truth of Scripture and for the Jewish people. But um, I don't know. It's just I think a lot of pastors look at it as controversial, so they just don't want to talk about eschatology in the end times. So I don't know what exactly the reason is, but it's probably a combination of all those things. Thank you, Chris, for the call. We've got Fritz calling from Florida. Fritz, you're on the air. Uh, hello. Yeah, thank you, uh, Pastor Scudder. Um, I listen to In Grace all the time and, of course, Crosstalk. I, I just have a, a little uh, issue, not to be adverse, but the uh, 1980 Jewish Almanac, first chapter entitled Indemnity Crisis, begins with the following admission. Strictly speaking, is it incorrect to call an ancient Israelite a Jew or to call a contemporary Jew an Israelite or a Hebrew? The fact is confirmed by several other Jewish sources and individual Jews. Dr. Oscar Shelby went on as far as to declare, and we are not today's Israel's the inventors of the chosen people myth. Okay, thank you. We've got your main substance. We're up against a break. We'll be back right after this break here. This is Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Well, here we are. Four objects now have flown into America, are very close at the Canadian border. These apparently are coming from China. Recently, I interviewed Colonel John Mills, retired. He served on the National Security Council for two presidents in the White House. He says this is helping Americans realize that we have not kept up with our national security requirements. After the collapse of the Berlin Wall, the Soviet Union supposedly collapsing, we got lax. And now we have massive blind spots. We stopped developing and advancing 
They, China and Russia, are on the fifth and sixth generation warfare, and we're not ready. So again, are they testing us? Yes, they are, and they see our blind spots. And the purpose of government, security, and protection is clearly being viewed for what it is today, a failure. I'm Brandon House. listening to Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. We're discussing today the preparations that are underway to rebuild the Jewish Temple. Matter of fact, the DVD is entitled The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. It's available by calling 1-800-78-GRACE, a donation of any amount, or go to ingraceradio.com. Those of you who have access, of course, to listen by way of radio, it gets underway this uh, Friday and continues on for uh, a three-week period. Those watching over television as well have access to it. Uh, Pastor Jim, just before the break, a caller was uh, calling in and, and making a question here pertaining, you know, the Jews of today are not really Jews. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's I think it's um, an interesting comment because I've never heard anything like that. The Jews, you, you go to Israel, they're Jewish. You, you know, in Chicago, where I live, there's Jewish people and they call themselves Jews. So I would obviously um, reject that and say, listen, uh, God has called out a, a certain people descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we call them Israelis, Hebrews, Jews, uh, all the same terminology. Indeed. And the choir that we heard just a bit ago, mm. these were Levites. Yes, yes. From yes. the tribe of Levi. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's interesting that there are some that still have their identities, and mm-hmm. especially the, the Levites do. You know, anyone with the last name Cohen or Katz, uh, Kurtz, those are all from the Levitical tribe, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Let's go to uh, Jim calling from Wisconsin. Jim, you're on the air. Yes, um, as a believer, um, you, and your gentlemen are talking about uh, the red uh, heifers and preparations for the sacrifice, and it's like it's it's hard for me to be, be excited as a Christian, knowing that these people have rejected the Messiah. But I'm just wondering, how many do you think that are actually going to go through this activity? are going to be like the, of the 144,000 are the ones that are going to actually receive the Messiah during the tribulation. Well, the, Jim, good, good question. Um, we don't know all of that, but I, I'm, I'm excited about this not because I think that the Jews need a temple. I don't think they do. I don't think we do. You know, Jesus made the final sacrifice, Hebrews 10. Uh, he, he sat down at the right hand of God. There's, there's no more need for a sacrifice. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost, 1 Corinthians 6. Uh, when Jesus died, uh, when he died, the temple veil was torn from top to bottom. It wasn't man tearing the veil. It was God tearing the veil. There's no more separation anymore. It is finished. It is finished. That's exactly what he said, and that was the cry, and he made the payment. So I'm, I have mixed emotions about all this as a, as a pastor of a, of a fundamental church in Illinois, but I also know the Bible says the temple will be rebuilt. And so I, I look at all of this as more of a sign of the times that the Lord's return is imminent. Now, I do believe that there are Jews today getting saved. Uh, we've had people in our church recently. We had a Honor Israel Day, and we had uh, Jewish people in attendance, and we gave the gospel from the prophets. And we had people coming up talking to us about it afterwards. So uh, Jewish people are getting saved today as well. And... You know, it's it, God knows all of this, but I know the nation of Israel will look upon him whom they have pierced. I unfortunately think it's halfway through the tribulation when Holocaust II starts and tremendous persecution will be upon the Jewish people. They will, uh, many of them will put their faith in Yeshua, Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Sir. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate the call. Yeah. Uh, in the words of Jimmy DeYoung, who is now home with the Lord, he would often say, The stage is being set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. And that's really what we see taking place when you see the preparations for the building of this third temple, when you see the excitement over the red heifer or the the harp-making shop or some of the clips that we didn't get to or even the the farmer growing the the herbs that are going to be used for the incense for the temple. Uh, It is that preparation that, uh, as you'd say, the stage being set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. You know, Jimmy DeYoung was a uh, a pastor that we ran into one year in Israel, and he really excited our people. He just really, you know, was talking about Bible prophecy. And I think we've lost that, Jim. You know, we used to have so much more excitement about the end times and Bible prophecy. 
but we're losing that. And I, I think we prophecy is a huge part of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So we better study it. We better know it. Um, let's not go crazy and weird, but um, let's use it to motivate us to serve Christ. Let's go to Glendale, Arizona. We have Dennis calling. Hi, Dennis. You're on the air. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. And uh, may God bless you, gentlemen, for um, helping to build the church. Um, I just appreciate everything that uh, this radio station stands for and great programming. So my question is in regards to the temple location. Obviously, there will be a a great uprising um, if the if the Muslim mosque were to be demolished um, and the temple would be rebuilt in its place. Have you heard anything about an alternate location that the actual temple mount may not be the actual site? Dennis, good question. That is a uh, a theory that is becoming more popular. It's called the alternate uh, location theory. There's two places mm-hmm. that people have said that it could go. One is the Ophel, which is on the southern steps, or just below the southern steps of the temple, and another place is the City of David, even further below. The problem with both of those is there's not enough room there for the temple. I don't think it ever stood in those places. And also, the Bible in two places say they Solomon took the Ark of the Covenant out of the City of David and brought it up to the temple. So I believe with Lane Rittmeyer, the world's premier archaeologist of the Temple Mount, uh, and others, Scott Stripling, friend of mine, archaeologist, it was definitely on top of what we call the Temple Mount today. So the reason they want these other places, because then you don't have this, you know, having to move a, and it, they, they wouldn't have to move the mosque, by the way. I was saying sure. earlier that the Al-Aqsa Mosque could stay in place. They would have to remove the Dome of the Rock, which is not a mosque. It is a shrine. So to me, that's possible. Depends on what the negotiations would be. Uh, when they when they took the Temple Mount, and this is in our our, our show, they um, they the Muslims said that it was 1967. The Muslims said, "We assume that you're going to build your temple tomorrow." Hmm. Uh, now they gave it back the next day, which is inexplicable. But I, I believe it just the timing wasn't right. You know, God's timing had to be perfect. So I think it was on the top of the Temple Mount. And there's going to be something that will happen. Now, remember they said it was going to be World War III when uh, we moved the embassy, and it wasn't. Hmm. So I think some of this stuff is overblown. The fear is overblown. Thank you for the call. We are out of time. We're sorry to uh, other waiting here to talk to Pastor Jim. But, uh, Pastor Jim, thank you for coming. It's, it's been a very fun, fascinating Jim. schedule. Thank you. And, and series. Um, and the schedule starts this coming Friday on radio. But you can obtain it right now on DVD as well. Reaching out to ingraceradio.com or by calling them at 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE. And uh, it is uh, fascinating to see this all put together. And thank you, Pastor Jim, for being with us. Uh, Awesome, Jim. Thank you and all the listeners. We appreciate all of you. And friends, thanks for tuning in today to Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from CrosstalkAmerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.